planning on going to the rock today, if that's all right with y'all, because that is where we stand. That is the foundation for King's Grant Baptist Church. At least it must be the foundation, because this is his church. It's certainly not my church, although I sat right out here years ago. Sorry, but I've been around a long, long time. And I thank the Lord for that. Absolutely. But we were here as members and very active and Sunday school teachers from 77 through about 82. So how many of y'all were here then? There were five of us here then. So, <laughs> But we had a great experience here. And I'm very glad to be back. I've preached a couple of times in recent years, been with the folks in the deacons' meetings a couple of times. And so I'm very pleased to be here. And I appreciate the, ch the church and Scott. Scott Chafee is a friend of mine, uh, uh, an associate of mine. In fact, I told Scott the other day we were in a meeting, and I told him that I know why he invited me to come here as the guest preacher, because he's staff, he's full-time, so now he's my boss. <laughs> See, he worked for me for about four years in the beach ministry down back in the 80s, and at that time, I was his boss. And then Scott said, well, Don, I'll try not to be a tyrant. And I said, Scott, look at me very carefully. I said, I'm 80 years old, and I got you by a few years. And if you're a tyrant, we're going to have a come-to-Jesus conversation. <laughs> However, I love the man, and I'm very thankful to be here with him and all of you. And I know that for five years, standing in this place, was a very special man to all of y'all. And I know that what it's like when the shepherd leaves the flock. And you're right now in the first days, the first stages of a grieving time. And if you don't realize that, I need to call that to your attention. Because grief is real. And when you love somebody, respect somebody, put yourself under the leadership of somebody, <coughs> excuse me, then they move on to something else, then you're grieving. And from what I understand, I've met Ken, and I understand that he was a fine shepherd of this flock. And he was a good pastor and a good preacher. And I'm sure he was a good friend. So I must recognize and affirm the fact that you've had for five years a wonderful man standing here in leadership position. A good shepherd for you sheep. But there are two things I want to tell you as we begin today. Number one is you've still got a good shepherd. No, you've got the good shepherd. Because in John 10, 10, Jesus himself said that I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for my sheep. I want you to know that that will never change for you as believers and as a part of God's church. So even with Ken leaving this spot, the Good Shepherd will never leave this spot and never leave this spot in your heart. Now that's the first thing I want to tell you. But the second thing I want to tell you is that that Good Shepherd is still and will continue to build his church here at King's Grant Baptist Church. Because, again, it's his church. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to look at the fact that he, Jesus Christ, is building 
and will build and will continue to build his church. And so I'm going to invite you to get your Bibles because now if you've got an app on your phone, that'll do. <laughs> as long as you see and, and hear the Word of God, because I love to read from this book. It has blessed me for many, many years, and I've had the privilege of teaching it and preaching it, and I also counsel it. I'm a trained psychologist, a Christian counselor, and I love to sit with my clients when we can turn and listen and talk about the things in this book. So I want you to join me in the 17th, 16th chapter of Matthew. I want you to hear what Jesus says. So Matthew 16, and we're going to read starting with verse 13. Jesus said, Who do people say that I am? And his disciples replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, and he said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, will not overcome it, will not defeat it. Now, you may realize that this passage of Scripture has been very, very controversial. It's been interpreted in different ways, primarily three ways. But I'm going to boil it down for me and for us today on something that I'm deeply impressed on one way. But the first way, and the, sometimes the most well-known way, is the Catholic Foundation. And they say, okay, Peter was the first pope. And that Peter, the disciple Peter, Jesus said he's going to build a church. So and I hesitate here a little bit because this is a little hard for me to say. Therefore, they say that the Catholic Church is the only true church. I'm sorry, I'm going to set that aside. The second interpretation I feel good about this but it's not totally in my mind accurate the second interpretation is is that Jesus was saying on the confession of faith that Peter uttered here is where Jesus is going to build his church now I love that on one level because he Jesus even says Peter you didn't figure this out. This was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. So this is a powerful statement for Peter to say, you are the Messiah, the chosen one, the Christ, and that being revealed by Almighty God. However, I don't believe that that's exactly what Jesus was meaning. Now, I share with you and I ask you to just pray about this because I believe that Jesus was saying at this point that he was going to build his church on the rock. Now what does that mean? That means that Jesus was saying my church is going to build, be built on me, he was saying. That I am Jesus Christ the Messiah. I am the rock that offers the proper foundation. And so, Peter, do you know Peter? Do you know about Peter? He's a powerful man. And he's been a powerful man through scripture and he gave his life for the gospel. But Peter was also a sinful man. He was an impulsive man. He was a wavering man. 
And here in this scene where Jesus is affirming his confession, Peter is very pleased because he's saying, you're, you, Peter, you're speaking God's words. But what happens in just a little while? Well, we can read on down here a little bit later in this chap chapter. And Jesus is now talking about having to go to Jerusalem and be crucified, be handed over to the, to the Pharisees and to the Jewish elders and to be killed. And Peter says in verse 22, he took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now think about that. Here's Peter rebuking who? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a little presumptuous to say the least. Peter's rebuking God. Jesus Christ and he tells Jesus that never Lord never he said this shall never happen to you Jesus said I'm going to the cross Peter said no you're not I don't know about you but I'm very glad that Jesus was right and Peter was not okay because we wouldn't be sitting here if Jesus had not gone to the cross but here's Peter saying something pretty brash to Jesus. And Jesus turned to Peter there in verse 23 and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block, and you do not have the mind, the things of God, but the things of men. Now, I'm simply saying <laughs> that there in just a few verses, Peter climbs to the top of the mountain, and then he sinks into the pit. Now remember Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on the rock. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, now Jesus is saying, Peter, get behind me, Satan. So folks, I am very impressed and thankfully so that Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the foundation. And Jesus is building you and me and all of us individually and as families. There are many families sitting here. And as a church family here at King's Grant Baptist Church. Jesus is building that. <coughs> so, part of what I have been impressed seriously in the last couple of weeks from the moment Scott talked to me about coming here to preach for you folks I have had an impression that we are supposed we meaning you me all of us working together that we're supposed to look at the basic foundations of Jesus Christ and his teaching. So if you want to know what I'm going to preach on for the next six weeks, yes, you're going to have to put up with me for six weeks. Everybody smile, please, so I'll feel better, okay? You have to understand, I'm a little bit insecure. You understand? No. And only in the Lord is my security, but it's there, folks. But for six weeks, I'm going to have the privilege of sitting here before you and standing here before you and talking to you about the rock and the foundation that Jesus Christ is to build his church. Now, please understand something. I don't condemn anybody. I don't get on anybody. We're all strugglers in this whole journey. But sometimes... We do it right, and sometimes we do it wrong. And when we do it right, and that means Jesus' way, God's way, the teachings of Jesus, the Bible, I am absolutely thrilled because I believe it to the very core of my being. And I am pleased that I have practiced it, and I say that with absolute thankfulness, not a bit of arrogance whatsoever. But I have practiced it, and it does produce solid rock foundation.
And so the things that we're going to talk about in the next six weeks are for you and for me. And they are for individuals and they are for families and they're for the church family here at King's Grant Baptist Church. We're going to go over what I see as the basic aspects of the Christian life and the church life. And we're go- I'm going to summarize six points here this morning. But then for these next weeks, we're going to go deeper into each one of these points. And so I want you to follow with me. We're going to look at Scripture. If you take notes, I would be thrilled about that because I'm going to say a lot. I'm going to read some Scripture. And so we're going to move into that in just a minute. But before we go there, I want you to realize that this, that Jesus has said that he's going to build the church on the rock himself, this came at the latter part of his ministry. In the timeline, it was just two or three weeks before the cross. He is wrapping things up, to be honest with you, with his disciples. And he's telling them, we're going to go forward with the building of the church. Now, the disciples, if they were paying attention, and sometimes they did, and sometimes they didn't, just like you and me, if they were paying attention as they moved through life with Jesus, they would have remembered that Jesus said something about the rock at the early days of his ministry. Because Jesus had already taught them a great deal, and in one of his major teachings, he finished it talking about the rock. And so here is, and it's a wonderful thing when we can interpret scripture with scripture here are two scriptures that match they are connected and so if you'll turn with me to the seventh chapter of Matthew we'll look at this for just a minute now the fifth sixth and seventh chapters are what's called the sermon on the mount this is one of the major teaching sections from Jesus Christ Wonderful, powerful passages, basic things, teaching and telling people how they're to live the Christian life and how they're to live in relationships and how they're to worship and how they're to pray and all of these kinds of things. But Jesus finishes this wonderful teaching by talking about the rock. And we read there in chapter 7 of Matthew... Jesus says to the people listening to him, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it's had its foundation where? On the rock. Now he goes on to say, but, listen, and listen very carefully, because we all have this struggle in our lives. He says, but everyone who hears these words and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, I have a question for you. And certainly, anybody that is right thinking here in this room, would you rather be a wise man or woman or a foolish man or woman? Now, every one of us would raise our hand to the wise, right? I certainly would, but do I always live there? I better put my hand down. Do you always live there? Do you follow and listen and practice the teachings of Jesus Christ? I pray so. 
I hope that we strive for that. I hope it's in our intentions and in our priorities and in our families and in our church family. But we must always be challenged because we're sinners, every one of us. And you do it right part of the time, I do it right part of the time, but then we slip and slide and we fall back into some of our own selfish, sinful patterns. And we forget that Jesus has given us the basics, the basics of the Christian life, the basics of the church life. And most of these that I'm about to go over real quickly, they are commandments. Now, do you know what a commandment is? It is a demand. It is not optional. <laughs> you and I have signed on to the greatest event and the greatest movement the world has ever known. And that is the church. The kingdom of God. And I will have to say this because this is what God says. Therefore, since we've signed on, our lives do not belong to us. Now, if that's a shock to any of you, please go to the Scriptures, read that, think about that, come and talk to me about it, come and talk to Scott about it, but your life does not belong to yourself because you have signed on, you have stepped in to the commandments of Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do here and what this sort of leads us to what we're going to cover in depth over these next five weeks, I'm going to talk about the basics that Jesus taught. Now, let me say this word. You're in a transition. Your good pastor, your good shepherd has just left. Now... I've been interim pastor, transitional pastor of several churches. That what that means is that I've had the privilege of stepping into churches and helping them in this transition period. Now, I know, and I must tell you, that the transition period is tough. There's a lot of things that have to be looked at, but it can be very, very healthy if, in fact, the church, the people of the church, you, your leaders, all of us working together, it can be very healthy because this is a time to go back to the basics, to go back to the foundation. If I can, please, to go back to the rock. So, Let's take a moment this morning and summarize these six basic aspects of Christian life, of church life. The first one I want to talk about is prayer. Because in this whole experience, if we don't pray, we're in trouble. If you and I just decide we're going to do it according to some program or something that the preacher says or something that the staff says or something that you feel <laughs> or something you even desire. Do you know that sometimes your desires are not what God wants? Surprise. The Bible says we have to check our motives because all of us have blind spots. So we got to pray. Now, what do we do when we pray? We speak to the Lord. So let's go to a scripture that talks about this. I'm going to look at the sixth chapter of Matthew. And Jesus, again, is teaching about prayer. And he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. They stand on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. 
But when you pray, go into your closet, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans. Babbling. Do you think God wants us to just babble? (laughs) He wants us to put our lives and our spirits into the hands of the Holy Spirit and not just babble. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he goes on, still talking about prayer, with what we call the Lord's Prayer. Now, I want to say that sometimes as much as I love the Lord's Prayer and I love the term the Lord's Prayer, that is a bit of a mistaken phrase. Because it would be better called the model prayer. Because Jesus is giving us an example of how we're to pray. And it says, then this is how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, stop right there for a second. And remember, we're going to study this more in depth. But this is a great start to our praying. What is this? Our Father in heaven, holy or hallowed be your name. Folks, that's worship. That's honoring Almighty God. That is declaring that he is God and I am not. We are holding him up at at the very outset of our prayer to say that you are God, you're the creator, you're the designer, You're the planner. You're the wise one. You have got all that I need. And then it goes on to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to ask you to consider a little change of that, although that is very true. But the only way it will ever happen is if you and I in our prayers, we worship God and then we say, God, please let your kingdom come and your will be done in me. Because isn't that where it's got to start? Amen. That's where it's got to start. And then he goes on then to say, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. And deliver us from evil. The first half of this prayer is to worship God. The second half of it is to make requests. Give us this day our daily bread. Protect us. Deliver us from evil. Watch over us. But what do we usually do, folks? When we go to our prayer, don't we ask God for a lot of things? Don't we forget to worship Him first? Wouldn't it be much better? Well, certainly it would be. Remember the teachings of Jesus in prayer. To worship God. And to declare his holiness. And to declare his goodness. And then we can ask for things. You know what? Sometimes it's been called, and this is very kind of a crude and slang bit of way of thinking about it. But sometimes we participate in what might be called a vending machine prayer. You ever heard that? A vending machine prayer. What do we do with a vending machine? We walk up to it and we punch the button for something that we want. And then if we want something else, we punch the button for that. We want something else, we punch the button for that. God's not a vending machine. God is almighty God, creator of all, lover and forgiver of you and me. So let's don't treat him like a vending machine. Let's worship him and come before him with humility, obedience, commitment, 
sacrifice, submission, all of those things that are required when we pray. And remember, we're going to talk more about this even next week. So come back and we'll do more with that. The second basic that I want to talk about is worship. Now, we worship God through this prayer. Our Heavenly Father, hallowed be, holy is your name. And so we worship there. But let's go and see what Jesus said in the fourth chapter of John. Because in the fourth chapter of John, Jesus has encountered somebody in an unusual situation. Jesus has gone through Samaria. Now, please remember, Jesus is a Jew. And Jews and Samaritans did not associate. But he has purposefully gone through the region of Samaria. And one of the reasons that he went through there is because he knew he was going to encounter a very troubled woman. Now, you know the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, five husbands and living with somebody that's not even her husband at this point. <clears throat> but the main thing is, is that Jesus wanted to encounter her and teach her and minister to her and help her to accept him into her life. And he says something very important about worship to this woman standing there by the well because in John 4, starting with verse 21, it says, Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And then skip in a verse then yet the time is also coming and has now come when the two true worshiper will worship the father in spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks god is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth so we're to worship in spirit and in truth not in just tradition and what we want now listen carefully to what I just said. Because I know in my life and in your life and in churches, a lot of times we say, worship's got to be just this way. Worship's got to be just that way. Well, now wait, folks. Part of the basics of our Christian and our church life is worship needs to be God's way. It needs to be according to what Jesus is saying. He says right here we're supposed to worship in spirit and truth. I love spirit. Okay, let's extend that. I love the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we do too much planning. Sometimes we short the Holy Spirit out of the whole equation. We're supposed to pray and look for what the Holy Spirit leads us. And then we worship with our minds, with our voices, with our hearts, with our prayers, with our intentions, with our behavior. with You think worship just happens here? I hope not. Now, hallelujah for here. I love going to church. I love gathering as a church. I love for us to come together as a group and worship. But please understand that you can worship in your car, you can worship in your backyard, you can worship at the beach, you can, you can worship when you look at a sunset. Oh man, I love to go to the First Landing State Park and camp out and sit on the beach and look at the sunset across the bay. Done it a bunch. We're campers. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You can worship. But you got to worship in spirit and truth, and you got to do it the way Jesus wants us to. So that's the second basic. The third basic is fellowship. Now, great passage here. If you want to look at Matthew 22, go back to the book of Matthew. And this is actually even called by many people the greatest commandment. And it has to do with relationships. Listen carefully. Relationships are the most important thing in the world. 
Do you want to disagree with me? By the way, I don't mind people disagreeing with me. And I'd be glad for you to talk to me if you want to disagree with me on anything. But I believe that relationships are the most important thing in the world. And the first relationship is with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. My relationship, your relationship with Jesus Christ is what we're about. It's not about these walls. It's not about this particular building or this program or whatever we do here. Our Christian faith is based on our relationship with Jesus Christ. And this passage of Scripture, absolutely one of my favorites, because they were trying to trick Jesus. The Pharisees were. And they were always doing that. And so it says here, this is in 22nd chapter of, of Matthew, verse 34. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, they were trying to trick him, trying to test him. Jesus, in all of his wisdom, all of his power, and also all of his teaching for you and me here 2,000 years later, what did Jesus say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, everything. And the law and prophets hangs on these two commandments. Now, I want to emphasize that here we are introduced to the word love. Now, that is basic to the character of Jesus Christ. And he is saying two things here. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbors. Is that what he's saying? He's saying three things. Three things. There are three directions that this love needs to go in fellowship and in relationship in the Christian life. By all means, the first and major priority is to love Almighty God with everything you got. And I will say to you that unless you love God with what you've got, you're going to have trouble going to the other two things. Because you and I were not created in our humanness for love. We're selfish creatures. Our sinfulness says we love one person. And that's here. Or with you, you, yourself. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. So you love God. You love Almighty God with your heart, your mind, your soul, your being, your attitudes, your behavior, your commitments, everything. <clears throat> That's the first direction for the love. The second direction for the love, now hang on, is you're supposed to love yourself. What? I thought the Bible taught us to not be selfish. It does. However, I'm going to tell you and, and I believe this in my own life. And I remember I'm a counselor. I've sat with people for 50 years in their struggles. And one of the things that is basic, particularly to the Christian, coming from the love that Almighty God has for you and that you have for Him, then you are to love yourself in a godly, appropriate manner. Now, if that's the first time you've ever heard anybody say that, I'm very sorry. But as long as I have the privilege of standing before Christian people, I will say what I'm saying. Not in a conceited way, not in a braggart way, not in a selfish way. By all means, we're to give ourselves to the Lord and to others. That's part of the fellowship of the church. But I am saying to you that because God loves you, doesn't it make sense, folks, that you should love you? Do you know how many times I will say to some of my clients that are struggling with any concept of valuing themselves, 
I will say to them, are you aware that God loves you unconditionally and completely? And they will say, yeah. And then I will say, well, will you please agree with Almighty God? Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. Hallelujah. It's His call, not mine. Now, I'm a sinner just like you are. And sometimes I think I'm not very unlove. I mean, I'm not very lovable. But even when I make mistakes, Almighty God still holds my hand and says, Don, I love you, and you can come to me, and we'll work this out. And so I am saying to you that, yes, you're to love God, and you're to understand that He loves you. And then the second thing is you're to love yourself in a godly, appropriate way. And then, in wonderful love and service to your Christian family, to your neighbors, you're to go and love your neighbor. So please, every time you think about the basics of our Christian life and of the church life, go to this and say, Jesus told me to love God with everything and to love myself because I am valuable in His sight and He does love me. And then I can go with the power of Almighty God and the power of myself as a loved creature and I can love my neighbor and I can even love the neighbor that I don't like very much. I know there's nobody in your neighborhood that you don't like very much, okay? But we're supposed to love, and that's part of the basics of our Christian life. Now, going to the next basic is discipleship. Now, Scott made me preach on this because he's a minister of discipleship here. So, Scott, you want to come up here and preach on this one? No, I'll go ahead and say a word about it. We are to be involved in discipleship because we just talked about the greatest commandment. Now we'll talk about what's called the greatest commission or the great commission. And that's in the 28th chapter of Matthew, right at the end of the book of Matthew. And it is part of Jesus' parting words to you and me. Again, Jesus is teaching us the basics. And he says there in verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all, everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Hallelujah. Now, it occurs to me that if we're to go and make disciples of anybody that we can witness to and share with, wouldn't it be right that we're supposed to be disciples? We're supposed to be in the process of being made disciples? I'm very much in favor of people learning and then going and giving that learning away. And so discipleship the process of discipling is rooted in our basics of our Christian life and our church life. We're to study. We're to pray. We're to worship. We're to fellowship. We're to discuss. We're supposed to help each other, support each other, encourage each other. And in so doing, we climb the mountain. Folks, I love climbing mountains. I've done a few with these old legs here. Yes, climb Mount Washington in New Hampshire. Now, that was about 15 years ago. I was just a young man. I was 63 then. Well, maybe that. But I love climbing spiritual mountains and emotional mountains and relational mountains. And when we're climbing the mountain, we're, we're pursuing discipleship. Now... What did Jesus say about being his disciples? I want you to turn over to the book of John, verse, chapter 8. The book of John, chapter 8. Just a short statement. Chapter 8 of the book of John, Jesus said there in verse 31, If you hold to my teachings, then you are really my disciples. 
So if you hold to my teachings. Now, that means that we take the teachings of Jesus and we stick with them. We hold to them. And then, if you go over to, to the 13th chapter of, of, Matthew, of John, he again says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There's the relationship and the fellowship again. So we are discipling, we are being discipled when we follow and hold and practice the teachings of Jesus. Now I must move on. The next basic is ministry or service. Do you serve other people? Does this church serve other people? Do you serve the way Jesus served? Do you know the story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples? Beautiful story there in chapter 13 of John. Where we are taught by Jesus Christ to get down on our hands and knees and to wash the feet of our brothers and sisters. Do you remember? He went around to wash the feet and there's Peter again. Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. I don't know. Peter had, he was an interesting dude. But he said, you're not going to wash my feet. And then Jesus said, well, Peter, if you don't let me wash wash your feet, then you have nothing to do with me. That shocked Peter because Peter then said, oh, oh, my goodness, Lord, then please wash my head and my face and maybe give me a whole bath. But Jesus said, you don't need a whole bath because you're already clean. But the main thing that Jesus said was right at the end of this, he said, I have knelt before you and washed your feet, even though I am your master and teacher. You are to serve others in the same way. And in serving others in the same way, you, listen very carefully, you will be blessed. And we're going to talk more down the road in these weeks that I'm going to be with you about ministry and service. And the last thing that I will bring before you that Jesus wants us to be involved in is the sharing of the gospel. You know what the gospel is? It means good news. Jesus Christ, salvation, forgiveness from sins. Jesus Christ and the cross and the resurrection That is the gospel. It is good news. And you and I are to witness. Now, one more scripture passage. Acts, the first chapter. Jesus says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you share the good news with other people? Does this church share the good news with other people? I believe so. I hope so. I trust so. These are the basics of our Christian faith. These are the basics that Jesus teaches. Now, one final word for you. I've said a lot of things and I've read a lot of what Jesus said. Please do this. Take these words with you. Pray about them. Think about them. Talk to your families about them. If you just leave these words laying here on the floor, here in your nice auditorium, it is not doing any good whatsoever. Take this with you and make it a part of your life. Go back to what Jesus said in the seventh chapter of Matthew. He said, if you have heard these words and you put them into practice, then you're like the wise man or woman that built their house on the rock. And the winds came and blew and the rains fell and the water rose and the house stood. Do you want this house to stand?
surely this house has been here, this King's Grand Baptist Church house, your Christian faith. Do you want all that to stand or do you want it to fall in the midst of a storm? This world is a stormy place, folks. It's not fun sometimes. And we need the power of Jesus Christ, the teachings of Jesus Christ, in order to stand. And he has given us the rock on which to stand. I ask, I pray that that is where we will stand. Please pray with me for a moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you so deeply for your teachings, for your words, for these challenges for us as Christian people. Thank you that we can come to you in prayer and worship and we can understand your love and we can love others and we can serve and we can be your disciples. Help us to purify that. Help us to live in the reality of that. Help us to have the power of the Holy Spirit as we minister, as we live out our Christian life, our church life. And we know and we thank you that then you will bless us. You will walk with us. You will build us up over and over and over and over. And we thank you deeply and we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, before Belinda plays just a little bit, I want to say one final word. Thank you for listening to me. If there's anybody in here that does not know Jesus Christ or does not know the reality of what we were talking about there with the truth of his teachings, and if you want to talk to me or Scott or Kenny or any of your deacons, please seek us out. I will stay here all day talking to people if you want me to because it's Jesus Christ and this is his church. God bless you and thank you for listening.